Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Martinez. On a Thursday, August 1st, 2019. August being one of my least favorite, if not my least favorite month of the year. And the reason for that being, it is the beginning of the end of summer. Which is, uh, it, every year I go through this, it's, it's incredibly heartbreaking and discouraging i guess for lack of a better word. i love summer I, w- I i wish it was summer forever all the time warm weather sun is out everyone's having a blast it's just it's so much fun then you go into fall which is the worst season i hate fall autumn whatever you want to call it i hate it it's it's we need to abolish that that's this is my official campaign platform for 2020 abolish fall if i'm elected president I promise you, my crowd noise listeners, I will abolish the entire season of fall and just extend winter because I wouldn't extend summer because it wouldn't be warm for those those latter months and then uh, therefore defeating the purpose of calling it summer. So we'd make winter the longest season and we completely abolish fall. I hate it. Halloween is stupid. Grow up. No, I mean, it, it's a dumb, dumb holiday. I hate it. I can't stand uh, the nightmare before Christmas. Um, I guess edits, I have to go on Twitter and just see a bunch of fake depressed kids with, with nightmare before Christmas quotes. I hate it. Halloween is stupid. Thanksgiving, I love, but it's just a big dinner. Really, Thanksgiving is not so much of a holiday as it is just a really good meal. So it's not, that doesn't count as like a, the upper echelon of holidays. It's just a really good meal. It's not a true holiday. So Thanksgiving, uh, I don't hate it as much as I don't hate it at all. I hate Halloween, but Thanksgiving is not S-tier holidays. Um, so I, would, I hate August. All that, August symbolizes all of that. We're still in summer, but it's the beginning of the end. The writing is on the wall. And so I, I'm, uh, I'm not feeling too uh, hot today. Pun fully intended because it is scorching in my uh, downtown uh, metropolitan recording studio. But on the bright side, there is always a positive spin on the Crowd Noise podcast. We're officially one week closer to the beginning of football. And no, do not even get... I'm not in a great mood today, as you're, you're about to find out, um, because it is, it is August. It's the beginning of the end. And number two on Twitter really irritated me this morning. And uh, this is going to be one of the angrier, rantier Crowd Noise podcasts that we've had maybe uh, in, a, in a while. Uh seen on Twitter all day long and it's it's extremely irritating it's frustrating it's just put me in a really sour mood today football is back football's finally back no it's not okay it is not back it's almost back again August symbolizing the beginning of the end of summer and the end or the beginning of the end to the end of fall it's almost back but it is not back. Tonight is the Hall of Fame game. It's Shark Week, everyone. I'd re- I mean, go watch something that's actually educational and something that's actually at least mildly entertaining, being Shark Week, rather than watch a waste of three and a half hours of your time, the Hall of Fame game. It's absolutely an embarrassment. Preseason is an embarrassment to begin with. And then they try to ante it up by, by naming it 
the first one though the hall of fame game Ooh, it's in canton the, the home the birthplace of football it is it's just a stupid waste of time and not of money because they do have enough they do find enough uh idiots who buy tickets to the hall of fame game and travel out to canton it's not a waste of money to go to the hall of fame enshrinement it is a waste of money to go to the hall of fame game because it's a preseason game and it's the least important preseason game because it's the first one so uh, you know, there's there's low stakes for guys who are on the chopping block. It's the first game. They'll have plenty of time to make up for it. The Hall of Fame game is a waste of time. So football is not back, okay? It's close, but it is not back officially. So do not tell me that football is back because it it isn't. It is not even almost. It is almost back, but not as almost as one would have you believe. Still got like, uh, let me see here, checking the calendar, like four weeks until it's in the Week one is September 5th. That's a Thursday. So we'll have a definitely we'll have an NFL special on in a few weeks. That's one, two, three, four, five weeks away until the official return of football. Don't talk to me about preseason. I don't care. Nope. And you shouldn't care either. If you talk to me about football, you have to reassess yourself. You have to look in the mirror and take a long, deep thought process and look inside yourself because that's, there's something wrong there because football is not back. Um, we will have some football stuff today on the show. Uh, already, haven't even really gotten into into uh, what we're going to talk about today, and uh, it's it's been a very ranty start to the show, and I imagine it's only going to get more ranty from this point uh, forward. We have some MLB trade deadline, not news. Um, I was planning banking on a lot of stuff to go go on during the MLB trade deadline, which was yesterday. 4 p.m. Eastern to be specific. And nothing happened. Like literally, nothing happened. Which, ironically, turns out to be a story in itself. Why were the big dogs, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Twins, so quiet and non-engaged in trade talks at the trade deadline? So we do have a story, ironically. So there's a positive. There is something to look forward to on the Crowd Noise podcast today. There is a story about nothing, which just so happens to be something. So we do have some MLB trade deadline talk. There was, I mean, not nothing happened. Uh, the big, um, the biggest trade of the deadline was Zach Greinke to the Astros. So that is something. But the two teams that we thought were going to be the most active, the Dodgers and the Yankees, did nothing. So that is that's pretty interesting. Uh, for the Crowd Noise Podcast. And then after that, Melvin Gordon continuing to hold out and will likely hold out into the NFL season. Uh, it came out this morning that he had requested a trade last week and the Chargers denied him. They said, we're not going to trade you. So naturally, the Crowd Noise Podcast compiled a list of all the teams that would best suit Melvin Gordon because we love making lists. We love... Um, playing pretend on the Crowd Noise podcast. They're not trading him. They said they're not going to, but just what if Melvin Gordon has plenty of value? If they did decide to move him, if they're not going to sign him and they're just going to have him sit on the sideline collecting dust, why not flip that and, and try and re- get um, some return assets for Melvin Gordon, who's, who is a fantastic player? Uh, so we have five teams that would be the best fit for running back Melvin Gordon. And then we have the quote of the week. It is back. We had one last week, but I went on an, enti- an entire, uh, I got off track last week, 
with the MLB trade deadline predictions. And now it seems like an even bigger waste of time because nothing happened at the MLB trade deadline. So now it looks even worse that we didn't have a quote of the week last week. But, you know, I, I treat you guys well. I take care of my listeners. Since we did not have a quote of the week last week, not only are we getting a quote of the week this week, it is from the crowd noise favorite, John Gruden. That's right. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to spoil who made the quote. I'm not going to give it away just yet, but we do have an Oakland Raiders quote of the week. So I take care of you. Don't ever say I don't take care of you because we're going to have some fun to close out the show with the Oakland Raiders as we normally do. So with that, let's go ahead and get right in to what happened yesterday at, or what didn't happen rather uh, yesterday at the MLB trade deadline. The Yankees and the Dodgers as of yesterday, were probably the favorites to win their leagues and, and meet in the World Series. And both of those teams had big holes that they needed to fill. I said last week they were exact opposites of each other, which is true. The Dodgers have a surplus of starting pitching, being Hunjin Ryu, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill, Ross Stripling, Julio Urias, they have too many starters. And they're all that's a great problem to have. They have so many starters. And then again, your rotation shrinks once you get into the postseason. So they have to cut those seven guys down to five for the regular season and then down to four for the postseason. And oh, by the way, they're calling up their top pitching prospect, Dustin May, tomorrow. So you can add another guy to that rotation. So that's eight guys. So the Dodgers have way too many starters, which is a good problem to have. The Yankees, and oh, well, not finished with the Dodgers point, they have zero bullpen arms. They have Kenley Jansen, who is not exactly 2016 Kenley Jansen. He's not nearly as dominant as he was at the peak of his career. Still very good, but not shut down, game is over type closer. The game is not, is, is not over when Kenley Jansen comes in. It uh, provides for a lot of, uh, shall we say, exciting moments. In the late innings. And the Yankees have zero reliable starters. Masahiro Tanaka failed to go five innings yesterday. That was just yesterday. He's their number one starter. After that, they have James Paxton and CeCe Sabathia behind him. Uh, Luis Severino still has not pitched once this season. So it's hard to imagine he would, with his timetable for return, come back and immediately uh, get back to starting games in a postseason environment. They might turn him into a uh, multi-inning reliever come postseason time. So they're, they're just missing starters. But on the other hand, they're really, they, can, they can bullpen you to death. Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton, Dylan Batances, uh, Adam Ottavino, excuse me. They have dominant arms in the bullpen, but they have no starters. And so those two teams with those two big holes, had to make moves yesterday at the deadline. You heard about perhaps uh, Bumgarner to the Yankees. We were hearing perhaps Shane Green, Felipe Vasquez to the Dodgers. And neither of those happened. The Yankees and the Dodgers both failed to address their glaring holes on their rosters. And the one team who did address, and it wasn't even a hole really, were the Houston Astros who already had, quite frankly, what probably the best starting rotation in the AL currently. 
with Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole spearheading the top of their rotation. They strengthened the strength. They added Zach Grinke, who's quite frankly a Cy Young candidate in the National League. He's having a fantastic year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He now goes to the Houston Astros. So now if you're the Yankees, this affects, I think, the Yankees more immediately, obviously, because they're both in the American League. Now not only do you not add a starter, but the team that you were likely going to see in a championship series right before the World Series, who already had you outmatched by starting pitching, just added another number one arm. And you can probably bullpen them and use a few openers for game one, game two, sure. But over the course of a seven-game series, you have to have starting pitching because you're going to run your bullpen into the ground. All of a sudden, the, the Astros are the, they're the favorite. They have to be the favorite to win the World Series. Granted, they don't have as much depth as, say, the Yankees or the Dodgers. But it's not a nine-game series. It's not a 15 It's a seven-game series. You're not really going to rely so much on depth once you get into the World Series or the Championship Series as you would during these, these last two months, August and September. But the Astros are in a, in a position where they don't need to necessarily win 10 out of 12 to win their division. They have their division in, in pretty solid control. So I don't think the depth is really going to affect them over the course of a postseason series, especially in an, in an abbreviated series, in, in a five-game division series. Depth is not even going to factor in into the outcome. And for the Dodgers, the past two World Series, they've relied, I feel, too heavily on their depth, not putting out their best roster, but mixing and matching and playing the matchup game rather than just putting out your best players, who's the hottest hitter right now. They try to play lefty-righty. And to their credit, they have great utility players, but the formula has not worked for the past two seasons. And as far as not working for the last two seasons... The Dodgers' biggest, I guess, hole or the reason they lost these past two World Series has been their bullpen. And this season, their bullpen is even worse than the past two years. So if the reason you lost the last two World Series was your bullpen and your bullpen is now even worse than those last two years, common knowledge would argue the Dodgers are not winning the World Series this year. And that is how I feel. If the Dodgers did not address their current bullpen, they were not going to win the World Series. And they didn't, so they won't. The Dodgers will not win the World Series this year. You can make an argument. They're going to struggle getting back to the World Series this year because the one guy that they didn't get, Shane Green, not only did they not land him, he goes to a team that they were likely going to see in the postseason anyway, the Atlanta Braves. So... They miss out on Shane Green. Their bullpen stays. And they didn't add any. They added Jed Jerko. They answered Zach Greinke to the Astros and Shane Green to the Braves with Jed Jerko. That was their response. So they will likely see the Braves in the playoffs because the Braves are all most likely going to win their division. It's still uh, up for grabs. It's not totally sealed as of yet for the Atlanta Braves. But it looks like they should be able to hang on and win their division. So they won't see them in the first round. If they, would, uh, if they were to see them, it would be in the championship series. 
in a seven-game series. And now you can make the argument that the Braves would have the upper hand in that series. I still think the Dodgers should be the favorite in that series, but it would be much closer than the experts think. So not, and then the, then the experts think. And in the AL, I think the Astros are the favorite. I don't, I don't see any way that the Yankees now can really be taken seriously to get out of the American League. Because you still have that hellacious lineup in Houston. Altuve, Bregman, Springer, Correa, Gurriel. I mean, they, they got Mont- Michael Brantley, another one. Not, he's having a fantastic year in Houston. Um, they got some monsters in that lineup. And you combat that with Justin Verlander, um, Garrett Cole, and now Zach Greinke. That's your three-headed monster. You're seeing, I mean, in a seven-game series, that's your, those are your first three games. You're facing three number one starters. All right-handers, which the Yankees have an almost an exclusively right-handed lineup. Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, DJ LeMahieu. So, I mean, it's a big problem right now for the Yankees. I think it's a bigger... The bigger loser from yesterday were the New York Yankees. Because they did not have a starter. At the very least, the Dodgers have Kenley Jansen, who is not the best version of himself, but he's still a very good reliever when you compare him to the rest of the closers in baseball. I think the Yankees were in a more dire situation than the Dodgers. But I, both teams neglected the glaring holes that they had, and I feel like neither team will win the World Series. Uh, as of yesterday, the Astros just won the World Series. So the major theme from yesterday was the trades that weren't completed, the trades that weren't made, which is a perfect segue into Melvin Gordon requesting a trade from the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, He requested a trade last week from the Chargers. They do not want to pay him as much as uh, he would like to be paid. And he requested a trade, and the Chargers said, no, Siri, Bob, you're not going anywhere. Um, So that's the end of that story. That's about as much as that progressed. But here at the Crowd Noise Podcast, we like to read between the lines. And we like to um, project, I guess. And and I don't even know if this is so much projecting because the Chargers have said, we're not trading you. It's not happening. But let's pretend. for Just for a minute, let's just pretend that they would or they were taking offers for Melvin Gordon. I have a list of five teams here in no particular order um, that I think would best... Fit Melvin Gordon and would best benefit from acquiring Melvin Gordon as a running back. Um, they're all teams that I feel are either contenders right now or this acquisition would insert them into the contender conversation. So there's a lot of uh, cliches in that sentence, but uh, here we go. There's five teams that I think would really um, benefit from making a move for, for a uh, Melvin Gordon. If the Chargers would accept trades uh, for their starting running back, which I think they should. I mean, if you're not going to pay him and he's not going to play, I feel like you should flip that and try and obtain as many assets as you possibly can. The Chargers are already a good team. And the reason why they have so much leverage is because they have so much, or leverage over Melvin Gordon is because they have so much depth. Austin Eckler behind him. Uh, fantastic running back. He can cast, catch passes. He can run the ball. Um, you know, Mel, they don't have to pay Melvin Gordon like, say, the Dallas Cowboys. 
their response to Ezekiel Elliott holding out was Alfred Morris. So they don't have, I mean, the Chargers have much more leverage than the Dallas Cowboys do. And so I do think, you know, why not make your team even deeper and build a team that is sustainable for the future? Because you you're definitely going to get draft picks in exchange, along with, you know, some, some depth players in exchange for Melvin Gordon. So here are some teams that I think would be uh, very interesting to see Melvin Gordon on, teams that I think would, uh, you know, fit very well with Melvin Gordon. So uh, here we go. Number one, this might, this might shock you. It may not. The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns seem like they're kind of already in win-now mode. They got their quarterback. They had their number one wide receiver in Jarvis Landry. And then they had another number one wide receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. They have a solid defense. And their running game is already pretty stacked to begin with. They have Nick Chubb. They still have Duke Johnson. They added Kareem Hunt, who won't be available until week eight. Or is he suspended into week eight? But he's going to come back midway through the season completely fresh um, and healthy. But this would put them in absolutely win now, win this season territory. Yes, Nick Chubb is good. They'll probably still uh, use Duke Johnson, who requested a trade also. You could flip that around and send him over to Los Angeles and add more depth to their running back position. And Melvin Gordon would be your number one workhorse back. Nick Chubb would be, you know, he'd he'd be, uh, he'd be this, excuse me, I just turned into mush mouth all of a sudden. He'd be your spotter for Melvin Gordon and Kareem Hunt. Uh, he would likely be in this deal as well. He'd be the, the main piece for the Chargers uh, in return for Melvin Gordon. But this, I would feel like this would put them in absolutely win-now mode, and this move would put them, I would feel, as the favorites to win the AFC North. Me personally, I feel like the Steelers, the Steelers should be the favorites to win the AFC North. I think they're the best team in the division still. Um, they have the best coach in the division still. They have the best quarterback in the division still. Uh, but this move, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Melvin Gordon, I mean, it would just be ridiculous. I think if the Browns were to acquire Melvin Gordon, uh, not only would they be division favorites, they would be most likely the favorite to win the AFC and get to the Super Bowl. I think this puts them over the Patriots, puts them over the Chiefs, over the Colts. Uh, you know, overnight, they become legitimate Super Bowl contenders, not what they are now. They're a good team currently, but this would put them over the top and make them, they, this would put them in the upper echelon of teams in the league. Number two, and again, this is in no particular order. It's just, these are just five teams uh, that I feel would benefit from uh, acquiring Melvin Gordon. The Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, they lost a lot of pieces last year. Mainly their own doing. Team Guys that they didn't want on the team anymore, they wanted to move on. Um, and add some new faces, fresh faces to the team. They did lose Kareem Hunt, and they did lose Spencer Ware. Damian Williams looks like he's set to be the number one back for the Chiefs this season. And he's a good back. He had some solid numbers. And they're not a run-first team, clearly, with Pat Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. But they do need balance, I feel. I don't think they could, they could uh, air raid their way to the Super Bowl. This would give them legitimate balance and take a lot of pressure off of Patty Mahomes. And Damian Williams, he's a good he's a good back. He had some solid numbers uh, taking over for Spencer Ware when Spencer Ware got hurt. Um, but he's not Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is an absolute workhorse. He'd be, he would definitely be in a win-now situation. The Chiefs are already in win-now mode. This would put them as the Super Bowl favorites. It would replenish 
uh, the asset lost in Kareem Hunt. It would take a lot of pressure off of Pat Mahomes, force defenses to respect their running game, and therefore opening uh, you know the over over the top bombs for Tyreek Hill. I think this would put them right back in the same situation as they were last year. Super Bowl favorites. I would love to see the Kansas City Chiefs acquire uh, Melvin Gordon. Now here's another one. Here's the the next team. Not exactly in win-now mode. This might be the worst team. No, not might be. This is the worst team on the list. But they're a team that's building for the future, and I do think they have a solid foundation. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers. They do not have a legitimate number one running back right now. And you still, the jury, for me, the jury is still out on Jimmy Garoppolo. Have not seen him over the course of a whole season. We don't know if Jimmy G is the truth or not yet. At least I don't. Some people believe in him and they've, they've bought full stock on Jimmy G. Uh, not me, not the host of the Crowd Noise podcast. I still have not seen him fully over the course uh, of an entire NFL season. So I cannot say he is the franchise guy. However, if you were to add a stud like Melvin Gordon, this again takes a lot of pressure off of the quarterback position now this would not put them in win now mode it might not even put them in the conversation to win the nfc west would this make them better than the seahawks no i would still say probably not because they have russell wilson and pete carroll i would not put the san francisco 49ers over them just yet and would this put them over the los angeles rams absolutely not but you would have a a now an offensive stud a legitimate star on offense for the san francisco 49ers uh, they're not shy in paying their superstar, so he would be a cornerstone for years to come. And then we would really get the opportunity to see Jimmy G playing at a uh, legitimate level. Because again, even if he starts having some success this season, the San Francisco 49ers are not legitimate threats to even make the playoffs. Therefore, this, his games are not nearly as meaningful. Um, you know, There's not nearly as much at stake. There's not the kind of pressure of leading an entire franchise into the postseason and potentially in the future one day at Super Bowl. But adding Melvin Gordon makes your team respectable. It builds for the future. And I do think, um, you know, we, we truly get to see just how good Jimmy Garoppolo is or is not. Um, so the next team, number four, we are burning through. I, I'm overcompensating because last week it took me like uh, two and a half hours just to do the MLB topic. And so this week I'm trying to, you know, speed run this entire podcast. And I'm already uh, more than halfway through this list. So uh, the next team, this is probably the least likely team to acquire Melvin Gordon. I'll tell you why. The Indianapolis Colts. Now, if you've been listening to the Crowd Noise podcast, you know just how high I am on the Indianapolis Colts this season. They are my favorite to win the AFC currently. And I don't know how much will change over the course of the next five or six weeks. It may change because we don't know what's going to happen in preseason as far as injuries, um, you know, potential trades. I don't know. We don't, the future is not set in stone. But as of right now, for me personally, the Indianapolis Colts are the favorites already to go to the Super Bowl to win the AFC. And I, the reason I say they are the least likely team to acquire Melvin Gordon, not because of who they have at running back currently, uh, Marlon Mack, who is, he's a good player. Again, a lot of these teams have solid running games already, but they don't have a stud like Melvin Gordon. They have Marlon Mack in Indianapolis. He's a good running back. He's not Melvin Gordon. But the reason I say this is the least likely team to acquire Melvin Gordon, all of them are the least likely, actually, because the Chargers aren't trading him away. But let's just say, again, 
the Chargers were open to uh, you know trading Melvin Gordon. I think this would be the least likely team because they had the opportunity to go get Le'Veon Bell. Right? In the offseason, they had... And I thought they would probably be the favorites. I thought it was the Jets, number one, and the Colts, number two. As far as teams likely to sign Le'Veon Bell. The Colts didn't even insert themselves into the conversation. They wanted no part of Le'Veon Bell. So it doesn't make much sense for them to pass on Le'Veon Bell in free agency and then trade away assets in exchange for Melvin Gordon and then not pay him and have him play out the rest of his, his contract. So I don't think it makes sense from an acquisition standpoint. But my God, if you added Melvin Gordon to Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton to that defense, that's, you know, they have a really young defensive core, the Colts would be, I mean, they would be deadly. They would be extremely scary. And then I'd absolutely pick them to go to the Super Bowl and then probably win it at that point because the Colts already have a very nice balance on on offense. I love watching the the Indianapolis Colts. They, They don't pass too much even with Andrew Luck. They don't overrun the ball. They use Andrew Luck's arm and his legs. There's so much balance. It's perfectly balanced, as all things should be. And Melvin Gordon would just make the, the running game that much more of a threat. I mean, clearly, he's a much better player than Marlon Mack. No disrespect, but he is not Melvin Gordon. So, I mean, this would just put them, honestly, as Super Bowl favorites. Legitimate. And I, for the Browns, this would put them in the conversation, whatever that means. This would make the Colts the, the favorite to win the Super Bowl. This would put them absolutely over the top. And the last team we have here at number five, the Baltimore Ravens. And I think this is the best fit from a football standpoint because the, the Baltimore Ravens are an abs- they're a run first, run second, and run third team. Their team is built on running the football. And again, similar to the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Colts, they don't have a legitimate number one workhorse three down back. They just don't. And would this put them in the Super Bowl conversation? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, because they don't have the Pat Mahomes. They don't have the Andrew Luck, the Tom Brady, the Ben Roethlisberger, even the Baker Mayfield. They have the Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, he had a solid rookie campaign. But again, the feeling with Lamar Jackson is how long can it last? Really, how long can it last with him being a run-first quarterback and really not much of a threat to throw the football, not just because so much of a skill set, which is also in question anyway, but because of the system that they run in Baltimore. They run the football every single down. So I just think this makes them even more of a threat. It fits because Melvin Gordon would be their number one guy. He would be a stud. He'd get 800 carries a game. And I just think it would fit. It would certainly make them better, obviously. It would take a lot of pressure off of Lamar Jackson. That's currently the theme today with this NFL topic, taking the pressure off of their quarterbacks. Um, it gives Lamar Jackson a certified number one running back. It kind of covers a lot of the question marks for Lamar Jackson because they are a run first team and they have a superstar at running back in this situation. The question wouldn't be about Lamar Jackson's throwing ability anymore. The question would be, how do we stop Melvin Gordon and the rest of of that running back committee. And the other question is, how do you score on that defense? They run the ball for a reason. The Baltimore Ravens had had the number one defense in the league statistically last year, um, and it was for a reason. Their offense helped their defense and vice versa. It made their defense kept games uh, low scoring, so their offense didn't have to throw the ball, 
and vice versa. Their offense ran the ball, so that way they gave their defense plenty of time to rest on the sidelines and came back fresh. So I just think this move fits perfectly from a football standpoint, though this is not going to happen, and neither of the other ones are going to happen. Should the Chargers change their mind from the time I started recording to the time I finished recording, should the Chargers decide to um, listen to trade offers for Melvin Gordon? I mean, they're just not going to happen, which I think they should. If you're the Chargers and you have an asset like this, I do think it would be wise for you, or unwise rather, to just not even entertain trade talks. The Mets in baseball did it. They dangled out Noah Syndergaard with, I mean, really looking back now, they probably had zero intention of ever trading him, but they wanted to see what kind of offers they were going to get. And this is an entirely different situation than that because the Mets were dangling Noah Syndergaard. Melvin Gordon is straight up asking to be traded. He does not want to play for the Chargers at this current price. Would he even play for another team at this current price? That is another question that would come up in trade talks. Would teams even give up um, a treasure trove of, of uh, trade assets for someone who's not going to play under the current contract? Unless, again, of course, you have a team like the Browns or you know someone who, who is going to be willing to sign him long-term. You're trading for a player who you plan on keeping for the long-term, and then they would sign him to a contract, in which case... Uh, it, would, it wouldn't even come up in question, is he going to play for us? So uh, there is your five teams who will not trade for Melvin Gordon, but it would be uh, really fun for the league if they did. Now on to the quote of the week. We're having a pretty quick uh, speed run here going. Our second straight football story comes in the quote of the week, and we got a good one. This is going to be tons of fun. If you have been listening to the Crowd Noise podcast, First off, thank you. Appreciate it. You're not, uh, you're in a very rare company, I should say. Um, you know how much we love the Oakland Raiders? Not as a football team, but as content. The Oakland Raiders, while they are the NFL's biggest circus and the biggest joke of a franchise in the National Football League, they do provide plenty of entertaining content for the Crowd Noise podcast. And it just seems like it's one, it's one thing after another. If it's not John Gruden, it's Mr. Big Chest flying in to training camp on a hot air balloon only to say, I cannot participate in any drills because I am injured with a non-football injury. Um, then it's another thing. It is the quote of the week. Here we go. Quote, that Nathan Peterman is really growing on me, man. John Gruden. On his backup quarterback battle, talking about one Nathan Peterman. By the way, I just want to say that was not my John Gruden impression. I am much better at impressions than that. I just threw in the man just because it just it just rolls off the tongue when you're talking John Gruden. That was not my John Gruden impression. I can do a much better one, and I'm not going to because I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to do anything you want me to do. So, John Gruden asked about his quarterback battle, and he says he's starting to feel the Peterman. Starting to really grow on him. And I just burst out in laughter and in tears. I couldn't decide which one to say first, tears or laughter, because they both just, they bursted out of me. I just, I, I started laughing, and I started laughing so hard, I began to cry. Both tears of happiness and sadness. And here's why. 
The Peter Man has become one of the biggest memes in the NFL for being, quite frankly, the worst quarterback maybe in the history of football. Statistically, and especially when you look at his passer rating and his touchdown to interception ratio, it is quite literally the worst in the history of an entire sport. And the reason I think he became a meme is because that's impressive to do. If he just did the opposite of all those bad plays, if he made good plays instead of bad plays, logic would determine that he would be the greatest quarterback in NFL history. It happens a lot during the March Madness tournament where you see guys have an imperfect bracket. Not a perfect bracket, but an imperfect bracket where every pick they make is wrong. And that is also hard to do. If they literally just made the opposite pick in every, in, uh, every game in their bracket, they would have a perfect bracket. So therefore, if Nathan Peterman was just the opposite, if we had a Peter Nathanman, he would be the greatest quarterback in the history of football. And he's become a really big meme, very popular. And guys are really just bagging on him. I mean, week in and week out. It's been a while. I, I have to be honest with you. I had forgotten the Peter Man was even in Oakland until just yesterday when this quote of the week, this gem of a quote came out uh, and notified me on my iPhone. It was, I had forgotten he was in Oakland. And so I started laughing because all the memes just started coming back. It made me laugh because, of course, John Gruden is starting to like Nathan Peterman, the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL, because of course he does. It's the Raiders it's John Gruden. They're coming up in Hard Knocks, which is undoubtedly going to be the greatest season of Hard Knocks ever of all time in the past, present, or future. And of course he really likes Nathan Peterman. Of course he does. Because this would only fit with the Oakland Raiders. And so I started laughing because it was just, I mean, it was just too perfect. It, this was, I knew this was absolutely going to be the quote of the week. There was absolutely no debate. This was the one segment I knew I was doing this week. The quote of the week because I just knew this. Was, we always look for Oakland Raider content to close out the show just because they are. I can't even finish that sentence. I don't even know what the Oakland Raiders are. And then I started crying tears of sadness. My laughter quickly turned into disappointment and longing for what could have been. And the reason I say that is because. He was asked about his backup quarterback battle. We're not even going to get the opportunity to see Nathan Peterman take meaningful snaps in an Oakland Raiders uniform. Maybe John Gruden is right. Maybe in this crazy, sick, cruel world that we live in, maybe John Gruden knows what he's talking about. What if Nathan Peterman actually is great and he's just been looking for the quarterback guru that is John Gruden? What if John Gruden has groomed him into being the next Tom Brady on steroids? We will never know. We will never have the ultimate comeback story. The worst quarterback in NFL history, statistically and literally speaking, become the greatest quarterback that this game has ever known we will never see that and so and also as cruel as human beings are we like to see car crashes instinctively we like chaos 
we're also never going to get to see him implode on national television. We're never going to get to see Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest, grab Nathan Peterman by the face mask and say, throw me the damn ball. We're never going to get to see that. Unless the Oakland Raiders go full Oakland Raider and trade Derek Carr for Melvin Gordon. Why not? I mean, it's just so crazy that it's probably going to happen. Especially since the Chargers have said they're not trading Melvin Gordon. It would only make sense that you trade him in division to a joke of a football team in exchange for a quarterback when you already have a Hall of Famer as your quarterback. It would just be the most Oakland Raider trade. In the, and actually, they would win this trade, quite frankly, because Mel, Melvin Gordon's a much better football player than Derek Carr. But it would just be so insane, I would categorize this as, a, as an Oakland Raider move. So, I mean, it, I, it started off as a very happy, very fun story. And then I started looking deeper into this. And I thought, wait, this is just, this is just a waste of potential. We're never going to get to see Nathan Peterman either A, be the worst quarterback ever again, or B, flourish under the spider 2 wide banana offensive scheme that has yet to have been cracked. I mean, honestly, when you look at basketball, and I, and I tell you, name a basketball offensive system. Not a team, an actual X's and, o, X's and O's offensive system. You'd likely say the triangle offense is because of the name, right? And the triangle offense is, quite frankly, the greatest offensive system in the history of basketball. It won 11 NBA titles. Spider 2Y Banana, however. Well, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. If I, if I were to ask you to name an NFL offensive system or a play, you are likely to say Spider 2Y Banana because it's the name. It's, it's so famous. Therefore, the only offensive system that Nathan Peterman would even have a chance of grasping is anything that John Gruden is running, namely Spider 2Y Banana. And if Nathan Peterman can't grasp that, then he is truly not worthy of of having an NFL uniform on, in which case there's still something there to be watched. We get to watch him implode on national television. And we get more memes on Twitter which are sometimes great, they're mostly terrible, but sometimes we get some great content on Twitter. On Twitter, This would be one of those cases. And if he does grasp it, then we get to cheer Nathan Peterman. This is like Smush Parker like winning MVP in the NBA. This is unheard of. And so I am very disappointed to see that he is only the backup quarterback in Oakland. And so on that very sad, disappointing note. That's going to bring us to the end of the Crowd Notes podcast. I hate to leave you on. It's such a, it's such a bad mood. I really hate to do it, but this was something that had to be said, had to be addressed. And maybe this is a turning point. Maybe this doesn't have to be the end. Maybe if an, if enough of us sign a petition or protest the quarterbacking of Derek Carr, perhaps we can get once again the graceful art of the Peterman back on an NFL football field. So I invite all of you to create a petition, sign it, show it to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. Get Nathan Peterman on the football field. It's what we deserve. 
We as football fans deserve to see the Peter Man on an NFL football field under the guidance of the architect of Spider 2Y Banana being John Gruden. We deserve it. So I leave you with that to close out the Crowd Noise podcast for this week. I will talk to you next week. We draw ever closer to the end of summer, which is, um, you know, very depressing. But on the other hand, we draw ever closer to the beginning of the NFL season and the college football season as well. I can't wait for that too. So we get fantasy football. We get college game day back. We get um, fantasy football back. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot more than fantasy football on college game day in football season, but you get the point I'm trying to make. The traditions week in and week out, waiting till Friday. You, you set your alarm for Saturday morning. You get up and watch college game day. Watch Co- Coach Corso put on the headgear. Fantastic. Then Sunday morning, you wake up at you wake up early an hour before the pregame show starts. You watch the fantasy pregame show. You set your lineup. You you turn on the NFL ticket. You watch your fantasy players. You watch guys that you're playing against in your fantasy. It's great. We're we're, we're so close. So I am going to try and focus on that rather than focus on the end of summer and the beginning of spooky season, which which uh, utterly irritates and infuriates me. I am going to focus. On the return of football. The true American sport. So um, that's the end of our show this week. I really appreciate you guys stopping by. Make sure you uh, uh, share with your friends. I'd really, really appreciate it. And I will talk to you guys next week.